0: Welcome to Wrestling With Statistics, the only show that takes a unique perspective of looking at the world of professional wrestling through the lens of statistics, analytics, and everything in between. I'm your host, Ryan Knightsey, and with me, as always, is the man behind Pro Wrestling Musings himself, Craig Lees. Craig, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all right. I'm alright. I seem to be settling into this kind of new lockdown malaise at the moment. I'm well and truly really fed up with it um <laughs> so it was a good sign when it is currently 20 past two on a sunday afternoon and you are still wearing your pajamas but um that aside all good
0: how dare you call me out like this no no
1: no you're... no 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 no, me me oh me,
0: you're in pajamas. still your <laughs> <laughs> you're in still. i mean okay so it makes sense because obviously you know i'm in america you're in scotland yeah no,
1: you're 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 acceptable if you're wearing pajamas it, it's it's, uh, you know... It's nine in the morning wearing, over here. I should have been wearing clothes six hours ago.
0: <laughs> well, in your defense, I guess, the only defense I can make for you is that mm-hmm. it is, you know, uh, a Sunday. It is it is like a lazy weekend Sunday, you know? That's all I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I got for defense.
1: It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. I've I've come. I've completely... I've completely crashed this week. I was doing really well during the... You know when you, like, try, try to do really well and you, like... Push yourself, and then you just run out of steam. That's that's where I am.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that completely. Well, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm glad you're in your pajamas. I think that just means you're trying to get enough sleep and be well rested to. Uh, well, I don't know. I was gonna say wake up bright and early tomorrow morning to watch some New Japan, but uh, it's maybe Tuesday is it not? I thought it was Monday. Well, no, the uh, special secret show is Monday, and then Tuesday's the first day of New Japan. All right. Okay. I am... So, yeah, this special secret show that no one has any idea what the card is. It'll, you know, feels like mm-hmm. it has New Year Dash energy to it.
1: Is this the American thing?
0: The American thing.
1: And um, apparently they did some kind of, like, lion's collision or lion's breakout thing. And, like, it's it's all the L.A. Dojo people plus, like, whoever's in America, like, Rocky Romero's part of it. And...
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I think
1: it was something that had been taped
0: no I think it, I think it's completely different. This thing is the, well I'm looking it up right the together project special um, all right okay at Monday June 15th no match lineup it will be announced at the start of the show kind of like New Year's Dash the thing you're talking about yeah I think that might just be a special thing um some point. the guy from
1: MLW was supposed to be debuting the... Tom Law Tom. Law- Lawler, Tom Lawler, maybe
0: filthy, is that his name? Filthy Tom Lawler,
1: that guy. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him, but I know the name.
0: He's. Uh, I watched. Um, I've I've gotten through. I think like the first ten episodes of MLW. And I'm trying to slowly get through it. Um, from the he, beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. Jeez. I. You you know me. I'm I'm slightly insane when it comes to watching <laughs> everything. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I'm 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 getting through. I've
1: watched one episode, and it was just the most recent one, like six months ago, when I decided to try it. <laughs> That's slightly fine. different approach.
0: Yeah, I'm like, some people are like, you know, let's let me get into MLW. Let me start from the most recent episode. I'm like, oh, and for me, I'm like, oh, let me get into MLW. Let me start from episode one and work all the all the way through. <laughs> This hour program, Um, yeah, no, he uh, he is one of the obviously standouts of MLW. I think he's sort of his role as of late has sort of been uh, relegated in a sense that he's more of a mid Carter as opposed to being a top guy back in the day. Um, In the beginning, I don't obviously I don't know I've watched the most recent stuff, but uh, yeah, he seems interesting. I think he would be a nice fit for that sort of not you know sort of that rough and strong style approach that new japan has you know he's he is a uh he is a mixed martial artist so right okay i think that sort of combination of things kind of help him out there and i think he would be a nice good fit for new japan hopefully i don't know he'll probably be based on his size he would probably only be used for um uh, uh, oh man, I haven't seen New Japan forever. I'm forgetting all the terminology. Uh, the the small people, juniors, juniors, yes, <laughs> the small ones, you know. Uh, yeah, he probably only be for the juniors now. That I think about it.
1: Okay, interesting. They need more juniors.
0: Yeah, with Will Ospreay obviously bulking up, uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, becoming the the true uh, pig energy that he has bestowed himself. <laughs> um. Uh, and then Shingo gone. Um, yeah, who knows how many other juniors have been bulking up insanely.
1: But just like since since I so like when I started watching it, it was Osprey, Marty Skrull, Takahashi, and um, Kushida, and the only one out of those guys that's left is Takahashi.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess Marty Skrull. Well, he's not yeah. available available to use anytime soon. But I guess in a way, he could still be used.
1: I I would expect to see him, but he's just I suppose he feels like he's gone because he's not been around recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, been, I'm just really excited for New Japan to come back. Honestly, mm, yeah, <laughs> like and not, yeah, not, not no, like absolutely. not only come back but return with the New Japan Cup, return with a tournament. Um, mm-hmm. I just I'm so excited, <laughs> so excited. Yeah, uh, no, it's
1: very exciting.
0: Have you Indeed. have you looked at the lineup for the New Japan Cup at all yet?
1: Yeah, no, um, I like it a lot. Of, you, you know, you you see you see the people that have obviously not thought it through being like, "Oh, this is a disappointing card," blah blah blah. But like, um, it's it's New Japan. The wrestlers are all good at wrestling. They're all in the company for a reason. All the matches will be good. Um, criticizing it because of like random guys you've not really heard of being in it. Like, um, all you know, your New Japan Young Lion is a better wrestler than you know wwe main roster superstar x well certainly produces a better match but that's to do with the companies you know what i mean
0: Mm -hmm. do you who uh who out of the new japan yeah it's it's kind of you know obviously they've been sort of replacing people Mm. because obviously most of their roster that was in the new japan cup originally are no longer available due to travel restrictions and also... The lineup
1: is similar, though, isn't it? It's almost as if they've just tried to keep the same plan, but have just, you know, um, slotted in who they have.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I that's what it looks like, It's that they just, whoever whoever was going to be in a match, they've taken out and, and put a new person instead. Um, so they just basically kept all the matches, except we now have... Some weird ones like Yano Jado. Uh what a what a match. Uh who's your who's your current pick to win the whole thing if you have one?
1: Um so I would like to see them not go with Sonada. I think a lot of people, including myself, got some Sonada burnout last year. Um I didn't think that his matches were as tedious as some people suggested, but I I I wouldn't want to see Senada in another world title match for a wee while. They need to do something different with him, and um, I I I want um I want Tagahashi to win it. Um, I don't know if they'll be that bold, but I would I would love to see that. Failing failing that Shingo, or Suzuki.
0: I'm I'm currently looking at the New Japan Cup bracket right now. Um, here we go. Um. Yeah, uh, Takahashi would be amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. but he's got he's what he's got to beat Honma, Yano or Jado, and then probably Ishii.
1: Yeah, yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> Ishii one's gonna be a tough one for Hiromu, but I would love Takahashi. I think you know, that, and that's like the perfect, you know, if they just wanted to go back to Takahashi night mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a perfect, yeah, setup for that. I agree on Sonata. I agree that. I think Sonata is more liked in Japan than he is in America. I don't know what it is, but I agree that like, in a, at least, you know, here he's, there's a little burnout or I should say in America, Western audience, I think would probably be a better way to say that. But yeah,
1: I think it's just like the fact that his face just never moves.
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> like emotionless. He just- he's stoic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... <sighs> I mean, some people would like criticize Ishii for being like quite a bland wrestler, but like he, you know, he, he, his, his style works. Like he, he, he's a performer and he's got his own style and it really works when, when you, when you know the, when you get to know the character. Mm-hmm. What, what exactly is Sonata?
0: He's the cold skull. I found that was pretty obvious. <laughs>
1: uh...
0: <laughs> he, he, he loves fashion. Uh he's got a decent Yeah, it's a cool beard. it's a cool
1: jacket. It's uh, a cool jacket, I'll give him that.
0: Yeah, he's like a weird kind of pirated guy now. Uh the like
1: purple jacket with the shoulder pads, that's quite cool.
0: He loves technical wrestling. He uh loves
1: He's he's excellent in a match with Zack Saber Jr.
0: He loves Kejimoto. Mm-hmm. Um and those are the things I know about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, I think I do there is something to Sonata winning the whole thing, despite some Western burnout. Simply because he's the only LIG member without anything. Just Mm -hmm. like they just give him a cup. Uh, Just be like, hey. I mean, even you can give him a
1: cup without it being that cup. That's true. That's true. Just find some like old, expressionless coffee cup in the back.
0: If I had to really pick one, pick somebody that I would love to see win this whole thing. Oh man, it would probably have to be. Um, oh man, I'm looking at the I'm looking at this bracket. I'm just I looked at the top right corner of the Tanahashi Abushi Saber Sonata, and yeah. I was like, oh no, I can see where this is all going. I think Sonata's winning that block, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I'm looking at it. Um, I, you know, if I had to pick someone to pick the whole thing, I could see the finals being a Sonata Ishii. Honestly. I don't know, will they do Sonata Okada again? Probably not. But I can see. I want to. No. I. I think I want Ishii to win the whole thing. He's probably my pick to win the whole New Japan Cup. I
1: think, and I think a lot of people would go with that.
0: He's a heavy New Japan Cup favorite every every single year. It's always like mm-hmm. Ishii, baby. Here we go. Ishii's got this one. Oh. It
1: kind of fits. It kind of fits the character. He's kind of at that level. The kind of upper mid card mm-hmm. um, convincing challenger but he's not he's not going to win the G1 or challenge at Wrestle Kingdom
0: yeah sadly yeah uh ishi i oh man i love Ishii uh anyways yeah i'm i'm very excited for new japan re- wrestling to return uh i'm sure craig that uh, as the new japan cup unfurls um we will be looking in depth at some of those matches depending how they all shape out to be um at the very least probably going to get some barn burners. But uh speaking of barn burners, let's go over to last week's show of NXT Takeover in Your House, Man Craig. What a, you know, if it wasn't for backlash, I would have thought that there would be the greatest wrestling match on this show, am I right?
1: Right. So <laughs> so so I I hadn't put 2 and 2 together to get 4. Um I was listening to a What Culture podcast yesterday. And Adam Cleary was going on about like, oh yeah, this is a great idea for the SEOs. This is, you know, the Google blah blah blah. And that that's what they're doing. This backlash wrestling, greatest wrestling. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's search engine bait. Yes. It's it's like WWE or oh, New Japan Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, greatest match ever. Oh, we can't we can't hit those heights anymore. What can we do? Not not some kind of like ambitious um mastering your craft trying to produce high quality stuff no 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 we're just going to like force these words down people's throats until this is what comes up in the search engines it's, it's like oh it's proper like political spin narrative hijacking nonsense
0: oh yeah i mean i just typed in wwe greatest match ever and obviously you know obviously since today at the time of recording mm-hmm. is the day of that match Going to Google Trends. So it is. <laughs> going to Google Trends, it's currently projected to be a uh, hundred out of a hundred. It's hard to explain Google Trends without actually showing the graph. That's all right. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it in post. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it in post. But in the Google trend, it's like, oh yeah, you could see that like, whoa, greatest match ever gets a huge spike. The last time I had a huge oh wait, let's go not nah, let's go past past five
1: years. I don't I don't even know if we would need to even have wwe in there for the greatest match ever thing to produce that search results though if you're just doing it on like how people actually google search
0: greatest match ever is at its highest peak in the last five years the only other highest peak was come on come on come on you know how like you have to like oh my god i can't come on where there we go haha was february 2017 what match took place in February of 2017 that would have been considered the greatest match ever?
1: I had no idea. I, I was thinking that it was going to be um, the the first Okada Omega match got a lot of buzz.
0: What was that? That would have been January 2016?
1: 2000, 2017.
0: January 2017? Mm-hmm.
1: I think so, yeah. Because 18, 18 was the Dominion match.
0: Maybe that's the residuals of the search engine. Maybe, yeah, that might be what that is. To,
1: to be fair, if you if you um, type in greatest wrestling match ever, all the news stories that come up is about backlash, but everything underneath that is like pro fight database. I mean, there's a WWE article, hundred matches to see before you die, but then I mean, there's there's a bit of backlash, but actually no, there's a lot of backlash, so that's annoying.
0: Yeah, the the very I'm interested to see how much how much that idea holds up in like a month from now. If you type in yeah. greatest match ever. Yeah. Um, but let's uh before we get to Well we're not c gonna... are we covering backlash? I guess we will be happy. Um, I, I vote no. <laughs> unless unless Edge and Orton is legit the greatest match ever, uh probably not.
1: <laughs> no, I I I mean is if we're doing this next weekend, then we're going to have backlash or New Japan to talk about. So, That's true. um, do you do you really want to?
0: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, of course not. Um. Uh, well, let's talk about. Are we talking? Let's get into uh last week's pay per view in your house. We wanted to talk about that at the very least. Uh, uh, yes. Well, we got a little bit of that ahead of us. Uh, we want to just do a quick. You know, it's been a week since this pay-per-view So we wanted to just do a quick uh, Rundown, just some quick thoughts um, mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just go through I'll just say the match results And just give me some quick takes, I guess, Craig um, Starting off the opener, which was The six-woman tag team match Mia Yim, Shasi Blackheart, Tegan Knox mm-hmm. Defeating the team of Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai And Raquel Gonzalez
1: um, Can barely remember it Raquel Gonzalez looked good They made her look big and strong Candice Array is a tremendous wrestler, did not need to be turned heel. What are you doing? But she's still always great. Sad that Dakota Dakota Kai has looked quite ordinary after the turn. I think they've blown that a bit. Um, I think this match was fine. I can't really remember. I fell asleep after watching this because it was early in the morning.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't honestly remember this match too much. I remember it being good. I just don't remember... I think that's going to be a theme throughout the rest of this takeover is that like, I, a lot of stuff here was fairly decent. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember anything of it. You know, they talk about yeah. making moments as I don't remember any moments from this match. Nope. Um, nope. uh, you know, I love, uh, Raquel Gonzalez Look good. Uh, but I think in a way they're trying to you know, that diminishes other people like Dakota Kai, who I think would be you know, better served somewhere else. I think she's a good she is a good heel in the heel role, whereas Candace LeRae, I think is still very early on, but also still very weird and nude for her.
1: I think she's good at it, but I just who, she had think, ba- Cand- she had Bailey energy for me. Um like NXT Bailey and
0: Who Dakota uh, Kai or Candace LeRae?
1: Candice LeRae. Oh, okay. Um I think this has been a bit weird
0: let's move on to the next match which was finn balor defeating damian priest in 13 minutes and eight seconds
1: and this was good this was very good this was um finn balor doing a great job damian priest took that like gnarly looking back bump on the steps Um, and he would i mean he was he was great in this as well he's he's kind of got that kind of big match performer in him um he if if you kind of looked at him and looked at the NXT booking, you would be forgiven for thinking this was like WWE pushing a big man because he's a big man. He is actually a good wrestler, and um, he he's been a good wrestler for a while. When he's when he's in the right spot, there was a match against Marty Scurll in Ring of Honor from a few years ago, which was just superb. I think they were fighting for the a TV title. So he's he's a good worker. Um, Finn Balor deserves better from NXT. He went down there. He's red hot um, and he feels like he's been pushed to the side and um, in fit for like killer cross, which I'm not sure is the best idea at this time.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. I really I thought this was a gr- match was great. I thought this was probably the match of the night for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really yeah. I really enjoy Demian Priest. Uh, I, I saw him live wrestle Hangman Adam Page in a street fight in Ring of Honor. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. great. Uh, I think this is, you know, I think this is probably Balor's best match since returning to NXT. Um, Okay. uh, Yeah, I was really high on this match. Uh, Yeah, I would agree. Finn Balor has been sort of... uh, It's weird because, you know, you bring him back to NXT, and so the thought being that you sort of use him to build up other stars... Uh, you know, like a distraction for Gargano, but then use him as Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes, etc., etc., etc. The problem being is that now that he's wrestling all those people and he's been wrestling those people for a little bit, he's now severely cooled off. Um, yeah. Luckily, it looks like they're bringing him back into the title picture with the North American Championship. Uh, however, you know, it's he's cooled off a lot. So let's see, I guess, what happens with Balor moving forward. Uh, Next up is Keith Lee defeating Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. I liked
1: this. I thought this was, this was all right. I feel like I've got like lockdown blinders on now where I just want stuff to be good. (laughs) So I think I maybe gave the show a little bit more credit than I would if it was like just after an actual good takeover. Um, But I I like this. I don't hate Johnny Gargano in the heel role. But when I think about how much I liked Johnny Gargano about two years ago to like now where I don't get excited about him at all, like he was one of my perhaps top five favorites in the world uh, not too long ago. And now it's a bit kind of, you know, shoulder shrug. I'm sure it'll be an all right match, but not particularly excited.
0: Yeah, I think Johnny Gargano, uh, I think he also works great in heel role. I think he's just been sort of, oversaturated in a way uh and when it came to the champa gargano feud he was one of the greatest uh in mm-hmm. the world probably a couple years ago uh yeah one could argue but now it's just sort of like you know with all the champa stuff and then not you know to to boil it down even more just a little bit of the oversaturation of like the huge dramatic epic yep. you know matches mm-hmm. and stuff it was like after a little bit you're like Okay, uh then another great epic match that's like 30 45 minutes and you're like okay this is good but like okay I've seen I feel like I've seen this a lot and I think you know just doing too many of those is really burnt out uh fan appreciation for Johnny Gargano. Keith Lee doing another great job in this match. Um I thought he, you know, it was uh you know weird that uh, <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet complaining why Keith Lee can't just be wearing an eye patch like we know that like you know, if he has a hurt eye, why can't he just wear an eye patch? Um, why does he have to sell it by like closing his eye a little bit? Uh, and mm. then my only real gripe with this match was, uh, it uh, it's a cool spot. The pounce into Johnny Gargano, throwing him through the barricade, is a cool spot. But yeah. it defe- they've already. It's been like a month of having those up there, and they've already done the spot. How and it defeats completely defeats the idea of having a separation from the crowd and the ring like that i know it's they're all nxt wrestlers i know that like you know it's not really containing them because it can go over the virus or whatever but it's just like it you're broken through and now like it's you know I i hated it i hated it i hated that spot
1: yeah so i had like i had like all those thoughts that happened um but i think for me all it really kind of highlighted was how pointless having those things there even is like they're not doing anything to affect the the spread of the virus really
0: Mm -hmm. it's a classic wwe move where it's like on the surface it's like oh yeah
1: yeah it looks like it but you know it's not actually doing anything you give test your wrestlers
0: you give anything oh my god please test your wrestlers (laughs) just come on you you have a multi-billion dollar company you're scheduled to have the Best fiscal year ever by like millions, and you mm. aren't testing your wrestlers. Come on, oh okay, I'm gonna move on before I get even more angry <laughs> about that. uh The last chance backlot brawl. Like,
1: hold on, because there's another there's another issue there. Like, do NXT even need the North American Championship, or rather, is it even a good thing? Because like, I feel like it's a shackle around Keith Lee's ankles like he he should be in the conversation for am um, going to take the title off adam cole he should have been in the conversation to take that title for quite some time but as soon as he got to win that that north american championship he's out of the type the main title conversation he's it, you know having a title around your waist makes you look like a big deal it makes you look like nxt are valuing you but like to to be able to go and take the top championship belt which he sh- really should be in the position to do. He's a fantastic wrestler. He's got a great look. He's charismatic. He's he, he's great. He should be when you think oh who's going to be the next NXT kind of star? It's hard to think of anyone apart from Cross. But that's because Keith Lee's got this belt around his ankles shackling him down and like I I think in a development system where the the whole way that NXT's worked, it's been like this almost fluid way that people kind of rise up and kind of take the place of the one that came before them. And I do feel like the North American Championship is disrupting that. And yeah, they didn't they wasted Riddle for some reason. It looks to me like they're doing the same thing with Keith Lee, and I do not like it.
0: I think Keith Lee, uh, to answer your question of the North American Championship matter, I think it it's a good idea because of the large amount of roster that they do have. I think it's a good idea just to have sort of like the A&W thing, where it's like the mid-carders didn't really have much to do, but now we have a title to also fight for. It's the same sort of thing here. Where like A huge roster, it now adds aspects to it. I do think, however, that they just over... Just everything, everything, everything as of late just overstays its welcome. Uh, like, I, are like, they
1: putting it on the wrong guys? Is that the problem? Like, I don't think Johnny they're putting
0: Gar- on the wrong guys. I think Johnny
1: Gargano and Keith Lee should it not be like Cameron Grimes and Swerve Scott.
0: I don't think they're doing putting on the wrong guys. I think they are just not striking while the iron's hot. And mm. wa- and like, oh, we're trying to build to Like, they're trying to build now to Keith Lee for Versus Finn Balor Which, that's cool But why not Why not do Johnny Gargano wins the title Keith yeah. Lee, you know, wins this title Then we have Gargano Balor Which we didn't get previously Right? If I'm not mistaken Yeah mm-hmm. um, We didn't get at, at um, the last no, takeover we did.
1: we did get it eventually
0: Did we get it eventually? Pfft, yeah, I yeah but either way, do that again. But now you're doing it for the title, so there's a little bit of extra yeah. stakes in there, and have Keith Lee directly go for the NXT championship. I don't know why you're. It, it becomes a shackle when it's still on Keith Lee, and it's like he it he has risen above the title. I think is what you're sort of implying. I
1: suppose the other thing with NXT is it's changed. Like, um, it's not quite a developmental. It's like collecting the elite guys that don't work for WWE and using NXT as the way in. Um, whereas before, when it was like Bo Dallas winning the title, like the, the North American Championship could almost be for those guys, for your Tyler Breeze, Baron Corbin type guys that aren't going to win the NXT title on the way up. The, the kind of North American Championship scene could be used for, for that instead. So perhaps people that, that have won the world title before or are going to end up in the title picture like Johnny Gargano um, shouldn't, shouldn't be there.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's move into the next match, which was the last chance backlot brawl for the NXT Championship, where Adam Cole defeated and retained his title against Velveteen Dream. Yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> um. So I didn't really watch this. Um. I I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be, and I I I you know I was kind of plus ten seconds skipping through it, so I kind of got an idea of what was happening, but. I had no interest in watching this match. I'm kind of a bit down on the Adam Cole title reign now, and Velveteen Dream. I've proper turned on, um, and yeah, these cinemas. I just, I just kind of knew it was going to be bad. Have kind of heard it was bad, and just didn't want to engage. Which is probably as much of a of comment on what NXT have done with this program as anything else,
0: uh, I would agree with all those things. It was bad. Uh, Adam <laughs> Cole, Ad, it's, Adam Cole is the same situation with Keith Lee, where it's like he's overstayed him, his welcome with the NXT championship. He sort of needs to move on and do something else. Um, uh, I thought this match was just awful. I thought the lighting of it. Was awful. Mm -hmm. I was tweeting to someone because they were like, "Why are they doing this?" I was like, "It. They're doing this on. They're doing the lighting on purpose. Like I work in film. I know for a fact that you can fix all those things. Yet they're Uh specifically shooting it like this for some stupid reason where it's impossible to see. Uh, I thought it was dumb. I thought it was like slightly tone deaf, which was happening in the real world." I don't understand why yeah. Dream came out as Negan. I don't understand what that had to do with anything besides just cosplay. Um... He
1: also had the. Did he not also have the Hollywood bandana on the back of his thing?
0: Oh, maybe I. I, didn't I think it there I didn't... was
1: a picture of his face on the back of his jacket, and he was wearing the Hollywood bandana. You know, the like, which is obviously the Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. Hollywood bandana, and as a black guy during you know blm movement wearing uh kind of a, a callback to a known racist it's just it, it was just like all those things went through my head when i was semi watching it um obviously as a white person you know my perception of that um is perhaps questionable when it was a, a black person doing it but like it it for me it was it just seemed a little bit odd and I suppose Velveteen Dream is also having these kind of allegations thrown at him about far more serious things. So it's it just kind of all added to the kind of unease with him as a performer.
0: Let's move into the next match, which is carrying cross, defeating Tomasa Ciampa uh by submission in six minutes. Very quick match versus Ciampa. Thoughts.
1: Uh this was all right. Yeah. Um it was a shame to see where Ciampa is. He needs to go back to his heel character if he's going to survive. Um, oh, that's funny. No one will survive, <laughs> not even him. <laughs> um, yeah, this was fine. There was a good Champa Hope spot where he did look pretty grisly and strong, and then he was overcome. I'm um, carrying cross for me looked all right. I've seen some criticism of him as kind of like kind of boring in the ring and a bit limited, kind of Brock Lesnar type arguments when he was just like throwing suplexes around. This was, yeah, yeah. it was short. It was fine. It didn't torture you.
0: Agreed. It it was short. It was fine. It didn't, you know, it left, didn't leave anything, you know. I agree that Ciampa should needs to be doing something else. I think there's, you know, uh, uh, when it comes to staying, you're welcome. Uh, I think Argano and Ciampa is part of that issue. Uh, As seeing as they are two people that have actively said, especially Ciampa, saying that they do not want to go up to the main roster. I think NXT is sort of that place where everyone, they re, they realize, Triple H realizes at a certain point that everyone's eventually going to go to the main roster. So when you have two people like Gargano and Ciampa that aren't going to the main roster, that, have, that said that they don't want to go to the main roster, Triple H is sort of like, okay, what do I do with these guys now?
1: <laughs> I think the other issue is they've almost got like three of them now because there's the two of them and Balor. They're kind of all in the same situation.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with, you know, with Adam Cole and I just be the is still there after two, mm-hmm. three years, it's yeah, like, okay, yeah. come on, just, come on, guys, time to leave, uh, time to, you know, time to go off to college. Um, <laughs> and finally, let's get into the actual stat breakdown of the Triple Threat Women's t- Championship match with Io Shirai defeating and winning the NXT Women's Championship, uh, defeating both Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Uh, Craig, just initial thoughts.
1: Um, So this is where the audio medium of a podcast is good, but you might also want to see the visuals as well. And This will be up on prowrestlingmusings.com, and you'll probably find it on Twitter somewhere as well, the kind of graphics for this match. So um, triple threat match, I really liked this. Um, I've done some stats for this, so it's different to the kind of 1v1 stats that I kind of would normally put out, and I was kind of toying around with the format of it as well. So there's some different things available here and um, it'll be up on the website by the time this comes out and um, but yeah um some really strong themes rhea ripley kind of took um a lot of the offense in this match took uh, she dished she out um she threw a lot of fists 56 strikes compared to 33 and 29 so that's uh, a big gap she also led for strikes down 10 in comparison to nine and four and um, Yoshirai's kind of role in this match was interesting. She flitted in and out. Um, it was kind of Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair going after each other quite a lot. And then Yoshirai would break things up with quite often a diving move or some kind of quick attack. And um, interestingly enough, Shirai five dives. Neither competitor, neither of the other two competitors did any. Charlotte Flair led the way, probably unsurprisingly. Three submissions. Her opponents both did one short one each. Um, Reversals was pretty close. This, no disqualification because it's a triple threat. Charlotte Flair with 13 maneuvers that would have usually been a foul. Many of those weapon shots compared to only one each from her um, opponents. Nine taunts compared to two and two from Flair again. So she's she was very much the kind of strong, indomitable force in this match. Um, however, it was Rhea Ripley that took 42% of the match offense. Charlotte Flair achieved 31%. And Io Shirai, the victor, only 27% of the offense from her. So again, when we're looking at kind of flow of offense, tide chain, change type um, graphics, there's a lot of Charlotte in that. A notable amount of Rhea Ripley, but um, Io Shirai is only dotting it in and out. However, we do start to see a bit more of an impact from her on the match as it comes to its close. Um, what else do we have? Yeah, um, you'll have to look at these visuals. That's kind of, um, in a nutshell, it's Charlotte and Rhea kind of going at each other, Io Shirai kind of sticking and moving lots of strikes from Ripley, lots of submission from Flair, and it's Io Shirai very much taken to the sky and using dives um, to win the match, which, interestingly enough, completely goes against the AEW statistics that seem to suggest that dives weren't paying off for wrestlers.
0: Yeah, it's like... uh, And we have sort of noticed the same sort of thing of the Thatcher-Riddle match, where it's like... um... Wrestler, they have they have like the wrestler has like specific things where Thatcher was going for like submissions, um, yeah. Riddle was going for like strike downs and strikes and whatnot. Same thing here. Io Shirai was all about dives. Flair was all about submissions, and Rhea Ripley was all about strikes. So it's like they got like yeah. these very specific notes, and that's how they introduce each other in these matches.
1: It's good differentiation of comparators like fighting styles. And um, one of the graphics I've done for this is kind of offense type and performance features. So it's it's a it's just a bar chart that completely compares the wrestler's use of each kind of move. And we've got a big kind of um, Ripley um, kind of uh, she's dominant in strikes, and then we see that. Charlotte is dominant in grapples, and then Shirai is completely dominant in dives. So yeah, um, as you say, NXT. What we have noticed from the last couple of weeks is they do differentiate, or they have in these couple of matches, done a really clear and effective job of differentiating wrestlers' manner of um, fighting style.
0: Yeah, it, like really defining like the strategy of each wrestler. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, I thought this match was good. Uh, I thought I really liked this match it's a lot. Uh, I, you know, real celebration for Io Shirai That was an amazing moment uh, Obviously there's a lot of talk back about uh, You know, the whole Charlotte Flair Not getting pinned and whatnot yeah. um, And looking at this It's sort of like, you know It does look like I I've, I've, I should say, uh, I've heard Obviously we've heard all of the takes And I completely agree that like Why aren't they building up Rhea Ripley And even though if Io Shirai gets the win You know, looking at this Charlotte Flair is One could argue fairly dominant consistently uh you know obviously versus rhea ripley who does have even more match offense total uh charlotte flair is consistently still keeping up with everybody else especially that huge spike at the end of the flow of offense chart Mm -hmm. um which uh does support the theory i guess that i've i've heard and i kind of agree with that the nxt might not be building up rhea ripley as much as they are actually building up charlotte flair um yeah
1: I, I um, So I was kind of thinking about that when I was doing these statistics and came to the conclusion that the whole use of Charlotte Flair in NXT is one of the stupider things that I've seen in wrestling, especially in NXT for a while. Like, if you think about where Rhea Ripley was at the end of last year, where she toppled Shayna Baszler, mm-hmm. and if you think about the tear that Shayna Baszler had been on in essentially the last two years of NXT, they gave Rhea Ripley this huge moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you remember that scene, everyone in the ring, she's being held up. It's this, She's this massive star. They follow that up with her challenging Charlotte Flair. That's huge. She looks mm-hmm. like an absolute, you know, monster of a competitor. She then loses to Flair, which, questionable.
0: Sure. We're like, at the time, we're all like, okay, I guess yeah. that's fine.
1: That's all right. She you know we've got a chase now. This is another thing for her to topple. But now Io Shirai beats Flair in a kind of sly way and Rhea Ripley is now looking like the kind of side project. It's just weird like why not why not have Rhea Ripley either not have anything to do with Charlotte Flair at any point or defeat Charlotte Flair and then have Io Shirai take the title off Rhea Ripley. They both look a heck of a lot better in that scenario than they do now, where Charlotte Flair's come in, taken a bunch of their shine, and left, and is in such a position that even doing that doesn't really even benefit her, other than she got to carry around the NXT Women's Championship for a while, which, you know, looks like a real world championship, so it probably made her look like a proper champion for a bit, rather than having those and buy one get one free WWE titles.
0: <laughs> yeah, and even in this match, like it, it is looked like uh Io Shirai wasn't as much of a factor in this match. And then mm-hmm. you sort of like think about like, oh well, according to this, she wasn't really much of a factor. And then she sort of got like the diving, uh, you know, sort of not really upset pin, but sort of the surprise pin over Rhea Ripley as she was being submissioned
1: opportunist
0: Opp- yeah pin. the opportunist pin yeah. um so it's sort of like one could argue maybe she was kind of lucky in that sense i don't know uh yeah, yeah
1: it's it's i don't think it does great th- i don't think it's it's a brilliant look for her i'm sure she'll take the title and do fantastic things and come out of it all right it's just yeah just i don't know it's just the whole charlotte flair aspect of this from for for me could have been a, a good strategy but has just ended up being WWE here's the big star you know cheer for her no no I, I mean that cheer for her well if you're not gonna cheer for her I'm gonna make you type stuff
0: mm-hmm. I, I've heard the comparison to real quickly I, I heard the comparison to uh with, with the whole Charlotte Flair v Ripley issue as to building up Braun Strowman just so that Roman can take out yeah. Braun yeah. Uh, you know building up Rhea Ripley just so that Flair can come in and take take her shine a little bit and I guess there is the idea that like I can see you know maybe you, one could say that maybe the plan originally was Rhea Ripley to get the win back from Flair and get that shine back but obviously there's also the idea that like hey Becky Lynch is gone and we need someone to put up back into the main event picture you know uh you know and let's get the title off of Charlotte so that she can go back up there. I'm not saying Charlotte is anywhere close to Becky on terms of the star scale, but in terms of needing a top level competitor, you you need somebody, you know? You
1: do. It's just like I really like Charlotte Flair as a wrestler and I think she is incredibly talented. Um and I don't I don't go in for all this kind of Charlotte hate and hating on her and calling her Roman Reigns and all that thing. It's it's not but let's, let's just not do that. But for, for Charlotte Flair to have essentially gone into NXT and taken all of the Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler shine, and I think that's important. Think about who Shayna Baszler was and the amount of people that Shayna Baszler defeated. And for the person that conquered Rhea Ripley to have just been another slight road bump in the Charlotte Flair hype train, Ugh, yeah it's not it's just not good booking it's really not
0: yeah sort of upsetting uh but however of course congratulations to irishirai weird <laughs> transition out of there everyone. i'm happy that irishirai got the win and got the title i think she's obviously deserved it uh and i'm interested mm-hmm. like you said interested to see where she goes um but let's move away from NXT in your house that was our thoughts in your house real very quickly I guess. Um <laughs> but let's move on uh into the next thing. We don't we don't have a lot of time. Let's I guess we'll drop the FTR Butcher Blade match and just focus on Cody Mark Quinn Craig.
1: Um I don't mind too much about time. Um it it's up to you. I um Weird. I know I've been one that's kind of wanted to shorten things but I'm in, I don't know. I'm in no rush.
0: We're currently at 43 minutes.
1: Um, I I don't mind really. Okay, we can do it quick. I I would quite like to talk about FTR if you're okay with that. I don't want to keep you in a super long podcast for the whole morning though.
0: Fine. Let's just quickly go to FTR Butcher and the Blade first, then, since um, you know, since you know, not a huge amount of thoughts, just more of like a sort of takeaways Mm -hmm. from their debut match. Yeah, sure. Uh, of course, there was the debut match opening up an AEW Dynamite last week, and that was FTR. Uh, let me hold on. Dax Harwell and Cash Harwood? Wheeler. Har, Harwood, Hardwood. Yes,
1: I think yeah.
0: Dax Hard Hardwood should it really should be Hardwood? It really can't should. Be that. Be. I know it can't be that, but it really should. And Cash <laughs> Cash Wheeler.
1: Wrong job with that name. <laughs> uh,
0: t- <laughs> anyway, <laughs> taking on Butcher and the Blade uh, and their debut match. Uh, you're looking at the graph. Now I should have said in the, I was trying to say in the flare thing, uh, if you want some more visuals, always go to the YouTube channel, hit the books podcast. And you can see the video version which comes with both the audio and the visuals. Um, little plug, plug, plug ski there. Um, mm. let, uh, so talking about this one, you're looking at the graphic right now, FTR versus butcher and the blade. Um, you know, like we said, not a huge sort of takeaway. It's a great, I would say a good debut Good, maybe great debut for FTR. Very dominant in this match. What were your sort of thoughts on this match, Greg?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean you've you've summed it up there. It was just it was great to see FTR in the AEW ring. and it was intriguing to see what they were gonna do. Um 66% of match offense in their favor. This was, you know, um it was it was a showcase match. Um, one dive from FTR, we spoke briefly about that before recording. What is that about? They made this big thing of like this big tweet of what you won't see from FTR and AEW, and you know dives within that. Um, why? Why are they doing a top rope splash? It's for, for me, it's just it's just stupid. I don't know are they supposed to be um, delusional heels that aren't what they say they are? I think it's too. I think you gel. Heck of a lot more mileage out of presenting them as the guys that are against flashy young buck style, um, tag team wrestling. But apart from that, I um, love seeing them in AEW. And um, the, the presentation of the people in the crowd, the people, the specific people that were in the crowd watching them was interesting. And um, you know, you'll be hearing four horsemen this and four horsemen that. Um, not, I'm not going to talk too much about that because everybody else is. But yeah, the and even the finishers that was interesting. They renamed the shutter machine and did that, but then um, finished it with Blanchard and Anderson's old spike, spike pile driver move. So yeah, very interesting. And the post match was um, fascinating to see as well.
0: Yeah, uh, I would. I forget. I try to look it up. I forget what it was called, but it the uh, superplex into the top rope splash was a finisher for an old school tag team I don't remember what their name was. i tried I saw the gif mm-hmm. as soon as like the match was over, and I saw it. I was like, oh, that's what it is. I don't remember it at all um i do there are a lot of,
1: there are a lot of old school tag teams with finishing maneuvers though
0: that's also like, true and they they did why, a lot of them why, right
1: why 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 it's just it's just weird like it's just
0: you know they're going to do the heart attack again at some point you know they have they have a treasure trove of minute moves to go, but I do agree i i you know that is the devil's advocate answer of like well, it was yeah, another yeah, throwback yeah. to old school tag team, but I do agree that like out of all old school tag teams that existed, why do that one where it was a dive you know when you're mm-hmm. going to tell people that you're not going to see dives and you see then you see, uh, <laughs> you then see Cash Wheeler, I think, do a dive yeah, off the top awesome. of the room. Um, you know, uh, yeah, this match was good. You know, looking at Butcher and the Blade, obviously, you know, the only big thing they did was their strike down rate, uh, and I, I would probably have to thank the Butcher on that one. Uh, Butcher, great look, love the Butcher. Uh, you know, I'm loving the Butcher, the big handlebar mustache. You know, I'm there for that. <laughs> um but yeah it was just a very sh- good showcase of FTR moving forward uh and maybe sort of and obviously with the result of the bra at the end of the match sort of presenting them as big title contender players um and I wouldn't be
1: straight straight off the bat which I think is the right way to go with them
0: exactly I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to see some sort of title shop with them and yeah, I would presume uh, Omega and Paige at probably all out. So uh, get ready for that, I guess, folks. Um, hmm. But yeah, so then let's get into Cody, Mark Quinn. This was, again, the another, the second week of the TNT Championship Open Challenge title defense. Cody Rhodes taking on Mark Quinn. Mark Quinn replacing who was supposed to be Phoenix in this match, but obviously Phoenix's injury. Uh, Mark Quinn took the shot. Uh interesting. Very different than the jungle boy match. Um uh Craig, but the uh, uh very interesting stats here. What, what are some takeaways from you?
1: Um so yeah, f- uh, this was about 50-50 in terms of match offense. Um Mark Quinn actually put in one more move than Cody. Um I mean the stats round out at 50% each, but it's actually 50 points something in favor of Mark Quinn. Um, which I don't think many people would have predicted. Um, that A lot of that came from strikes. There was a point in the match where Cody slammed his knee off the ring post, which is a talking point in itself. And then Mark Quinn kind of reacted to that and kind of rained down with the strikes on Cody, which is where um, that advantage came. He didn't differentiate his offense hugely, um, although he did go with a lot of diving moves, 5-0 to zero in terms of that, which I don't think anybody will be too surprised at. Cody outdoing him in terms of submissions, grapples and strikes that actually resulted in the man falling to the floor. Um, I suppose the ongoing talking point with Cody is the way that he's um, wrestling his matches It's very strange. I'm, I'm finding it very strange. He's, he, he's almost overtly a Heel at points in his matches like why like what why are people shaking hands with Cody after matches in which he has slammed their injured leg off of a ring post
0: mm-hmm. on
1: purpose mm-hmm. it's it's a weird power dynamic i don't i don't like it like I don't think we should um i don't know idolize people because they're in a position of power because they're established as this popular guy if if I'm in an athletic contest, if I'm playing football against you and I keep tackling you, so you, you know, miss you secretly drive your studs into my knee so that you can get an advantage. I ain't shaking your hand after the match. Um, and it's that it's that kind of vibe. It's kind of like I don't know. I like there they're I kind of kind of annoyed a lot of people on Twitter this week by suggesting that AEW are playing a little bit too much into like having people that are almost like above everyone else, the way they talk about Tony Khan and the way that they present Cody Rhodes. We shouldn't be like, I don't know, in our in our art and our like popular culture, I don't think we should be like deifying people where they can just like smash your knee off the ring post, but you're lucky that you ever got to be in the ring with them in the first place. Um so yeah, I didn't like that. And I and you might be sitting there being like, oh but pal, stop being so political about a wrestling match. But um Everything is political, and I think we need to start treating everything as political. And the way that Cody Rhodes is presented in AEW, especially in 2020, I don't like it. I'm like, I'm like turning on Cody, and that's weird, especially after where he was around about, like full gear against Jericho. That he was this superb character at that point, and I really loved it. And I've kind of like turned on him. Don't know how you're, how you would respond to that um short political monologue, Ryan.
0: No, I, I it is something that uh I, I think about that and it's like, yeah, Cody there's several points, I guess. There's one, there's the one idea that like Cody, you know, scouted out the idea that, hey, Mark Quinn injured his leg last week. Obviously my strategy as any sort of wrestler would probably do uh is go after that leg, right? And it's one thing to go after the leg versus another thing by, you know, slamming the leg into a ring post and whatnot. Yeah, um, absolutely.
1: Or conver- the strategy is not what I would take issue with. It's the kind of filthy tactics.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, conversely, there's a difference between just doing sort of submissions and strikes on the leg versus exactly. what a, a, normally what a heel would do, which is bringing in outside of advantages. Granted, it's the ring post, so it's a little bit of a gray area, I guess. But uh, yeah, there's that aspect. But like you said about like um, shaking the hands and everything, there's also the idea that like you know both in Fape and I guess in reality that Cody Rhodes is his boss, so it's like oh yeah, mm. thank you for the opportunity, sir. There is that aspect.
1: They're very soon cold, Steve Austin.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's also it, in, like I've also heard the same sort of idea to go back to actually going back to take over in your house. There is like that same idea of like on Wednesday of NXT, Damian Priest being like. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter that I lost the match against Finn Balor. I made a moment, um, mm-hmm. and there is this idea of like being happy that you lost. Uh, yeah. Like you know, again, it's Mark Quinn. He's more of a tag team specialist and whatnot. And, and there is, but it is this idea of like shaking the hands after just losing a match. You know, there is the, the respect thing. There is a this is my boss sort of thing.
1: An, I don't have an issue with the shaking the hands after losing, but it's like. It was it was the shaking the hands after the tactics of your opponent. That's yes. like yeah, self-respect and like where you see yourself in comparison to other people was kind of why what, what kind of that triggered in me.
0: That's fair. That's fair. And yeah, I mean yeah, it I don't know. I guess it's just what Mark Quinn viewed as fair versus what mm-hmm. Mark Quinn views as uh dirty, I guess, would be the only thing I got on that take. Um. Yeah, I know. I I thought you know to go back to this match. I thought it was a good match. Uh, the match offense being fifty fifty was quite a surprise towards me, especially after the Jungle Boy match. Um, it went, yeah. where another match where Cody Rhodes feels like well, Cody Rhodes definitely felt more aggressive in that match, but I wouldn't necessarily say he felt like the heel per se since he you know busted open everything. Now that I think about it, um, I don't know. I I I I saw the the idea on Reddit. And I sort of like the idea. It definitely feels like they're slow-burning a heel turn on Cody. Um,
1: I really hope they are.
0: Yeah, and I think I think it's the, the best thing to go for him at this point. Yeah. Um, You know, especially if it's like, I don't know, maybe you can do it with MJF winning the title off of him. I don't know. Um, But it's interesting. And then... <laughs>
1: oh, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this could go for a while, and that could be the thing that, like, makes him snap.
0: Yeah, or he... Or it's either I don't know. Now that I think about it, it's it's either he has to get snapped from MJF and turn mm-hmm. heel, like aggressively heel on him, or conversely, he just goes like mad with power, and yeah. like gives himself the AEW World Title shot, even though he said he wouldn't.
1: I think I I think I support the idea of of AEW staying away from like people that are mad with power, like the you know the WWE thing.
0: Yes. 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 Um, yeah, but uh, you know we got plenty of more TNT Championship matches to unfold. There's a, a, a slight rumor about who's gonna be une- the upcoming week. I guess we shouldn't really say it. Keep it as a surprise, I guess. Yeah. Um But the upcoming week uh, again at Fighter Fest, it's gonna be Cody. Well, oh, presumably Cody against Jake Hager. you uh, know Weird. Mm. I didn't, I really did not like the setup of that match, but you know whatever.
1: Yeah, um, it's a bit kind of odd, isn't it? Like. It's uh, yeah.
0: It's it's like why first off Jake Hager didn't say a single word. Second mm-hmm. off Cody, why are you like oh yeah you you're attacking me because you want a match at Fighter Fest? No why <laughs> no knowing Jake Hager why wouldn't he want a match next week since there's mm-hmm. no one announced yet? Um, <laughs> why are we not doing these sort of things instead instead of just a random match three weeks from now Cody? Um, it was just a weird setup. It was another one of those things where, like, it felt like you know, like Jungle Boy sort of felt like the match was being rushed, and that there there was a rumor that they ran out of time, which I think is funny. It was another thing like this where it's like it felt like they were running out of time, and I was like, "Why are we doing this?"
1: Yeah, and it was taped as well. Um, I yeah, but like not to be too down on AEW, but um. To try and look more positively and they they had chris jericho beat up orange cassidy this week with a bag full of oranges which is maybe one of my favorite things i've seen <laughs> wrestling in quite some time
0: it was perfect uh, it was it was just simply perfect uh it was something that like i i've never i never would have thought of of just like oh yeah, no. let's, it's <laughs> but it's just like the perfect thing of like jericho to be like what is this sort of out of the box idea? Well, just get a bag of oranges and beat them <laughs> up with it. And you know that bag of oranges hurt. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, there's no way you gimmick all of those oranges.
1: No, they uh, were, you could see that they were like busted up as well. Like yeah. the oranges were like, yeah.
0: They busted open oh, just like uh, Orange Cassidy.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, I was a little bit disappointed that like towards the end of the segment, we didn't just go off the air with Jericho like in a fits of fury hitting oranges that were like all over the ground for baseball bat maniacally looking completely unhinged.
0: <laughs> it would that would have been great too. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah. Well, I
1: really liked that um, Ortiz still had one of them later on in the evening and he threw it at somebody in the ring. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh the orange, orange, the orange on orange uh segment was quite Thanks. great. Quite great. I loved it so much. Uh, it was the sort of thing that Inner Circle also sort of needed. You know, yeah. it, it was slightly comedic because, you know, beating someone with oranges is kind of just funny, but uh, yeah. uh, it was something that, that brutal assault is sort of what they needed every once in a while just to remind you of who they are. Um, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, going back to, I guess, sort of the theme of a lot of these matches are, um, you know, you talk looking at Cody, Mark Quinn having... A decent amount of submissions, FTR yeah. bringing submissions back, and of course, what we talked about with Charlotte Flair just dominating submissions. Uh, we wanted to continue our look see through the these AEW individual stat breakdowns of submissions v- moves versus win loss records. Craig, so we yes. so you know last week talked about dives, we looked at strike downs, and we looked at strikes, we looked at um, I forget the last stat which was grapples, and now we're looking at submissions. We got the graph in front of us uh slightly disappointing in my eyes what do you think
1: um yeah um so again this will be this will be on the website so if you're like me and you tend to listen to podcasts when you're on the go um yeah just um go up on the i would just check out the website every now and again to see the images
0: there's a link in the description of this podcast
1: yeah yeah exactly um so yeah um it's it's essentially a flat line maybe slightly positive in terms of submissions being helpful if you want to win a match um so it's it seems like if you're not a submission specialist you shouldn't go oh um i need to boost my win loss record i don't do much submissions let's give that a try it seems like to be successful with submissions you need to put, you need to be a bit of a specialist you need to be you know doing it often Um, But yeah, we've got, it's interesting, Jimmy Havoc is the man who is getting the most submission seconds per hour of wrestling. He's all the way out in front um, with an average of 332 seconds per hour of wrestling. Um, Interestingly, Colt Cabana is second. Um, Colt Cabana with 220 seconds of submission
0: Hmm.
1: per hour of wrestling, which is obviously not working out for him as he's on a minus one record, Havoc being a plus two. And then it's like pack and Sabi internet, So like the guys that are using the submissions um, are not kind of the most anyway, or not who you'd think in terms of like Cody and Jericho.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sort of sad seeing that there is basically little to no correlation between, you know, doing using submissions, not even, you know, your sort of length of submission holds. So not even like the number of submissions, but how long mm-hmm. you use submissions. Yeah, uh, versus win loss records. Um, like it's kind of sad that like it doesn't really have an effect on whether or not you win. Interesting that Cabana's think... up there. Uh, I like seeing obviously you, when I change, try to think of some. Any, I guess maybe that's part of it. When I don't, when I think of AEW and I think of who is a submission specialist, no one really sticks out to my head. I mean, even seeing here, one could argue obviously Havoc is a submission specialist. But I that, that, that's not what goes to my brain. Cabana it definitely did not go to my brain. Mm-hmm. Pac would probably be up there. Cody would kind of be up there, but he's way in the back. Um, yeah, like no one in my brain was like, oh yeah, there's submission specialists, which maybe that's part of the thing is that, you know, no one's really good with their submissions.
1: Yeah, I so like I've thought a lot about this after the conversation that was had midweek. Um, about like what these numbers mean and the, the way that you use language to like um, say what's successful and what's not. And what I've kind of what I've kind of landed on is what you would say here is that Jimmy Havoc using submissions as part of his arsenal is working for him because he has a positive record and he has such a high number. And mm-hmm. um, Colt Cabana using submissions as a big part of his arsenal is not working for him so perhaps he should be looking for another tactic entirely.
0: Which he has by joining Dark Order, potentially. Well,
1: yes. Um, but then if we were to look at somebody like Joey Janella, who's a uh, minus two record, 50 seconds of submission um, per hour of wrestling, maybe he does need to grind people down a bit more, mm. and upping his submissions may be a good tactic for him. I, I We certainly can't say that it is based on these numbers, but. Um, you know, Cody's getting something right. Joy Janela is not getting something right, and Joy Janela's submission um, rate is low. So this this might be this you know this might be the thing that works for him. It, it's a bit like, oh, this is the thing that's come to mind, but it's very left field for a wrestling podcast. It's a bit like if you've ever done some work on yourself and you've done some kind of mental health work. It's not it's not the same ingredients for every person. You need to find what works for you, and perhaps, um, perhaps this is this is what we're looking at here for for Jimmy Havoc, um, the having the submission as part of his article is working to an, an extent, mm-hmm. but for um, Brody Lee, who's all the way down there with zero submissions, um, but a plus four, things are working for him without submissions. Whereas even like Jungle Boy oh. is not, it seems odd to say, oh maybe Jungle Boy should start doing some submissions, but. He's on a minus three. This just for accuracy points. Um, I'm a bit behind with uploading dark results to this. I've got all the dynamites and all the pay per views, but you know, dark is a bit of a slog sometimes. Um, so maybe Jungle Boy, he an option for him is maybe you know submissions. Let's let's go and you know spend some time talking to I don't know Bret Hart about how to up my submissions. I don't know something that maybe that's how we need to be framing um these these conversations
0: or yeah like I, that's not a, that's a very solid point that like breaking it down of seeing who, who what's what move sort of works for each individual person i mean jungle boy is a huge stand out there there's not only the idea that he's more of like a high flyer there's also the idea that he's more of a tag team guy mm-hmm. um so he him just being like because in, in, obviously this is all in uh singles matches um what you're looking at now, folks.
1: Sorry, I'm being really rude to interrupt you. Uh, I just flipped through the tabs for the other things. Um, sorry, I'm going to uh, go on the, if you go on the website and go to the in-ring performance type stuff, one of the tabs there, you can access my Excel document with all this. And there are tabs for like male singles, female singles, et cetera, et cetera, And that says strike rate, grapple rate, dives, et cetera. Um, so Jungle Boy with his minus three is way back on the submissions. But then when you click on the dives tab, Jungle Boy with his minus three is the complete opposite. So Jungle Boy's strategy of not bothering with submissions, but using dives all the time is not working for him. Yeah. Um, and that might that might work for Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix might never bother with grapples, uh, sorry, never bother with something but do loads of dives, and it does work for him. Mm-hmm. But Jungle Boy could pop on to com. check out this document and go, oh, maybe why maybe this is why <laughs> I'm I'm not winning wrestling matches. So yeah, you're very welcome, Mr. Perry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's a great point. Like he, you know, if you're looking at the thing, you're looking at, oh, I have a bunch of singles losses. And then you look at, you know, look at ProWrestlingBusings.com. Uh, I'm sure they all do. Uh, yeah, uh, then sort of looking at that being like, oh, for Jungle Boy, maybe submissions, I need to up my submissions game, because obviously someone, Jungle Boy is someone I think of as a dive sort of mm-hmm. guy. It's not working. Whereas, you know, it consist, yeah. you know, Havoc, it is working for him a little bit, you know, two wins, or at least positive two wins. Mm-hmm. Um, K- Cody and Moxley, we always I always got to point them out as well. They're always the same, basically the same spot in every single graph. They're very consistent. Yeah, and the
1: they're in the middle again.
0: They're always they're always in like that middle. They're always <laughs> in that middle.
1: Uh, As is F on this one. Who's also who's like actually? Oh wow, that's that's really interesting. So your top your top three guys, Moxley, Cody, MGF, are all within like oh where are the numbers um so moxley 78 being the low man of them those three cody being the high man with 106 so they're all within 30 seconds of submission time uh, 28 seconds of submission time difference between those guys and when you the whole graph goes for like and we've got a plotting area of um 350 so the margins there of getting like you know the the kind of the Goldilocks um, region of get, getting it right um, is um, where Moxley, Cody, and MGF seem to be suggesting it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I love how Cody and Moxley are always in the same spot. Like, it's, yeah. They, they, yeah, the, their consistency awesome. is is amazing. And, it, you know, you're not, you know, Moxley, I guess, is another thing, but Cody is, I guess what really it's saying is that you know, you got, you know, Phoenix is a diving specialist, right? With a bunch of wins um, and very consistently high number of dives. Cody, compared to that, Cody is arguably not a specialist at anything. He's just a wrestler, right? Um, Similarly, Moxley, maybe a little less so, but there's different aspects to Moxley as well that we'll eventually get to maybe. Uh, about maybe his resiliency or whatever. But, uh, you know, Cody, he's just, like, a wrestler's wrestler. He just does everything, uh, and he does it well. Obviously, he knows maybe maybe it is Arn Anderson helping him, since Arn Anderson is the one that... Uh, uh joined him at the start of 2020 uh maybe art anderson is checking out pro wrestling musings.com and pulling some data and being like cody that's,
1: that's what on that that's what's on that laminated sheet that he's carrying around all the time what? it's this it's this spreadsheet how
0: how much how much would you pop if you saw that sheet and you just saw like all of these spreadsheets on there <laughs>
1: Um, I mean, it's it's obviously not, but like this kind of data, it would this would be a convincing prop. This like the data looks impressive, mm-hmm. if nothing else, and and I mean it is legitimate, but it, at least looks impressive.
0: Oh yeah, when we eventually start our own wrestling promotion, you're going to be the greatest Arn Anderson like, <laughs> st- like you're not going to be the coach, you're not going to be, uh, um, uh, just like a normal manager. You're going to be the statistician. You're going to be like this is what. This is what you need to do. Go out there and, and like someone's going, like someone's going for a dive, and you're like, no, no, don't dive, don't dive. Yeah,
1: I'm going to be, so- gonna be um, like uh, the manager on the outside. I'll start screaming at somebody halfway through a match. Too, too many, too many.
0: <laughs> like that's like another thing that I feel like AEW needs to do is just like just confirm that Arn Anderson's doing the correct stuff. I guess maybe they- maybe they're doing it implicitly. But I would love mm-hmm. if they just had like a promo beforehand of Cody and Arn talking about what their plan- yeah. the strategy is and then going out think, and doing it.
1: I think the story they're going with is Arn isn't actually helping Cody.
0: Oh. Maybe I'm not. Because
1: like that. so um so you you'll have noticed um on the, the flow of offense graph this week for Cody versus Mark Quinn. I've you you always ask really good questions about when exactly did such and such happen. Mm-hmm. So this week I've tried to like signpost it. So again, if you go onto the website for the visuals or wherever, um, the flow of offense where you see like the um the peaks and troughs of when people are giving out the um offense. So for example, we've got Mark Quinn's knee gives way around the five minutes. So he goes to do a springboard move and his knee just gives way and he crumples to the ground. Interestingly, that's when Cody. Hits him with a few moves, then takes him to the outside and starts slamming his knee off the ring post, which is also, um, which is also signposted in there. But then there, there's a bit where so Mark Quinn gets this
0: huge
1: um, lift in offense, and he's kind of going wild. There's lots of dives, in there, and there's a couple of grapples and strike downs. While that's going on, um, Arn Anderson gets up on like the rampway thing and is like shouting and trying. He's like trying to. I don't know if he's just trying to talk to Cody or if he's trying to distract Mark Quinn, but anyway, it doesn't work. And um, Mark Quinn carries on with his offense and he hits another couple of big moves. And I think there's been other people have highlighting on podcasts that perhaps Arn Anderson isn't actually being all that effective. And I, th- I think uh, often common theme that you will find in these discussions is people think that Arn Anderson will eventually turn on Cody, which you know, that's another that's that's a really good storyline because Cody's there's the MGF stuff as well. Yeah. Uh maybe maybe so maybe that's part of the whole snapping thing.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That that is an interesting thought, especially with the you know, you didn't want to talk about it earlier, but interesting idea, especially with like the four horseman ideas. Yeah. You know, of course you got Arn and Tully who are distinctly known for their four horsemen years uh it's it's interesting maybe like,
1: cody cody kind of he i mean he want he kind of wants to be sting but i think he kind of also wants to be rick flair
0: cody wants to be everything cody just wants to be any <laughs> of his favorite people from his childhood yes <laughs> um yeah no i i like that because then you could do arn oh oh arn turns on cody during the mjf match And aligns himself with MJF instead Uh, And Mm -hmm. that's what causes Cody to lose The TNT Championship
1: Well yeah there you go And that's that's a big snapping point isn't it
0: And then have FTR join them And then you got the four Mm -hmm. horsemen Uh, And there we go (laughs) Wardlow I guess is the fourth guy MJF is your Ric Flair FTRs your Arn and Tully, and then Wardlow is just the other guy that's always there. That's just always gets thrown in and out every once in a while. <laughs>
1: could be, yeah, could be.
0: There's there some ideas. There's some ideas for you. Um, okay, well, yeah, then there we go. That is our show, Craig. Um, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode of Wrestling Statistics. Um, like we always say, you can go to prowrestlingmusings.com to get more statistical breakdown analysis, not just on this, but a, a world of Wrestling. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word of what the word is wrestling. Uh you can also follow us on Twitter at Hit the Books Pod. You can follow me on Twitter there. You can follow Craig at PW Musings or at what is it at Craig PW Musings. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. to get more uh personal uh thoughts and feelings, not just the stats and breakdowns and whatnot. Um like we said, you can go to the Hit the Books podcast. You're already at the end of this episode, but if you wanted to see some visuals next time while you're listening you can go there and listen to the YouTube version of it, and you can sort of see it all at one time. Um, what else, Craig? Anything else to plug? Um, I think that was everything. I feel, like, I feel like that was everything. I just don't remember. You know how, like, every once in a while... Sorry. <laughs> you know how every once in a while in your house... like, Okay, it's the thing that always I hate the most... But it's like you know, whenever you're in your house, that like uh, all of a sudden, like there's a sound behind you, and it's just like sort of like some sort of item, whether it be a book or whatever, is just sort of like settling due to gravity or whatever. Uh, that always scares me. And maybe that, maybe now they think about it, maybe that's what people thought ghosts were. Probably. And maybe I'm saying that I'm scared of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is the post show. This is the this is the AEW <laughs> wrestling Statistics post show. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess that was everything. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably be back with maybe some more AEW dynamite, but at the very New least, Japan. New, Japan, New Japan baby, New Japan. New, New Japan, New Japan, and of course the greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye.